Hello, everyone. I am Jessica Smith, and welcome back to the Game of Love podcast. I am so excited because I have my good friend, the Game of Love podcast rock star. Uh, he is the relationship architect and author of several best-selling books. Jeff Lawton is here. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Great to be here. Thank you for having me back. It's always a always a treat to get to hang with you for a while and we come up with some pretty fun stuff to share. So I'm looking forward to whatever mischief we're going to create today. I love causing mischief with you. We have such a great vibe and we put out great content and people love our episodes and uh, they're, they're the most popular episodes that I have. So wait, you know, it's proof is in the pudding, my friend, the numbers are there. <laughs> We're just like John and Paul or George and Ringo. I love it. <laughs> okay, so in the past, we've covered a lot of amazing content, if I do say so myself. Um, today, we are going to talk about how to prepare for love and relationships. And I am so thrilled because you know, currently we are in the pandemic right now, and we are isolated and at home. And a lot of my listeners, most of my listeners are single and at home, and they're really looking forward to a relationship, probably more now than ever. So I'm thrilled to have you here, and I, I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. And it's it's funny, I personal note, I always love talking to you. I love our time together. And Today, I am going to be taking notes today because, <laughs> as I said on my podcast, I said on your show last week, I suddenly declared to the world that I think I'm ready for a boyfriend. <laughs> I said I said it to you first. So with that said, I'm going to be taking notes today. I, of course, I'm going to chime in because, you know, I have I have some ideas, but I'm... You're I'm, a dating expert, homegirl. I'm... <laughs> Yeah, but I'm certainly happy to share some thoughts about, you know, what what would it take to be ready for that kind of relationship, pandemic or not. I just think the pandemic has made it, it's heightened and amplified certain things. Mm -hmm. And of course, it reveals, it's been revealing a lot. I think to me, it certainly has and yeah. people I know. So it's really an incredible opportunity to get yourself ready for love. Seems to A me. Absolutely. And um, I am the dating coach and the expert and you are the relationship expert. And this is where um, our worlds come together so beautifully because I am great at preparing for love and all that good stuff, yet I've been out of a relationship for a while, and so I, I'm a little rusty, and you've been married for how many years to your amazing wife? 38. 38, okay. So you are definitely the relationship expert in this, so Jeff, I'm counting on you to- <laughs> No pressure. I'm ready. Let me roll up my sleeve. Right. <sighs> So with relationships and with you being 
a relationships coach and you being married for 38 magical years, you have a great sense of what works and what doesn't work in a relationship. So why don't you start right out of the gate? What, um, what do people need to do walking into their next relationship? Like if they're, they're walking in for success, they want to find a tremendous love, have this fantastic relationship. Like what do they need to do from now on? Okay. Ah, great question. So the first thing that comes to my awareness is that you have to first try to be as clear as you can possibly be on why you even want one. You know, on one hand, there's no getting around the fact that as humans, we're pretty hardwired for connection social connection, sexual connection, you know, it, on one hand, those are all normal aspects of being human. However, my experience, you know, and, and in all the time that I've been with Sarah, we've had plenty of difficult times. So there's a whole other conversation to be had about expectations mm. around mm. relationship. And that's kind of connected to what I'm saying right now is why above and beyond wiring, so to speak, why do you want one? And a lot of times when I, you know, like couples will come to me because their relationship is in trouble. And one of the first things that I usually will ask them is to tell me about when they first got together. You know, like, tell me the story of how you met. Tell me about how, you know, how the chemistry, you know, either was there and grew or it wasn't there and it grew. And then I'll ask, and back then, did you have any sense of why you wanted a relationship besides it just seemed like, well, that's, that's what we do, isn't it? And just as I have enough years under my belt at this point, I really see that, well, because it seems like a good idea is a really shitty reason to get into a relationship. It's, it's, not, it's not a building block for success. Why is it that you really want that? Now, I want to be really transparent. When Sarah and I got together, I was 24. And I'd had some pretty deep, meaningful relationships before that. But, you know, they were adolescent or young, you know, early adulthood, college type things. I, if somebody had asked me what I'm saying to your listeners right now, back then, yeah. I probably would have had the same answer. Um, well, I mean, that's what we do. Or I hear, well, I, I want someone to share my life with. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Why? Why? And I'm not, and I want to be really clear that I'm not asking that question from, it's not about getting into a really intellectual, overly analytical mindfuck that people can so easily do about just about anything. But to actually look in your heart, look in 
check in with your spirit. Yeah. Whatever that might mean to anybody listening. You know, like your intuition, your emotional center, if you know where that is. What, why does that part of you want a relationship? Mm. What is the purpose that you're imagining? Right. So if you are with a client, you ask them that and they say, because I want to spend my life with someone, what's, what then do you tell them or do you ask them a follow-up question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oftentimes it will be, well, how come you're not cool just spending your life with you? <sighs> yes. I love that. I love that. And, and that's really... You know, here's the reality from all my years of working with couples that I see a reality, which is that there are two aspects of us that want relationship. One, well, I should say three. So one is biological. Mm -hmm. Then another one is a spiritual aspect of ourself. And then the third would be kind of our mental, you know, our whole egoic structure. And inside of that piece comes all of our childhood baggage Mm. that everybody has. Yep. And I really believe from my own experience and working with all the people I have over the years, our inner children are usually the parts of us that pick the partner, which yep. is why, why do you want a relationship is so important because if you're even reasonably self-aware, if you've done some work on yourself or a lot of work on yourself, the, one of the sub questions that's so important to ask is, do I, as this grown adult living in this time and space and moment, am I wanting to connect with somebody and create a synergistic magic? Or am I looking for the mommy or daddy I never had? Ooh, Jeff. Uh, seriously, that is a huge, huge issue in the world and in relationships. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wild to see how people will choose to date people that are like their mother or their father. I mean, even a few years ago, several years ago, I all of a sudden, I was out running at one of my favorite parks in Denver. And I was thinking about the guys that I had dated and one that I had married. And I'm jogging along on a beautiful summer day. And all of a sudden it hit me like a brick wall that I have dated guys that were like my biological father. They, I'm not going to, you know, like dive into family history, but they were not positive traits that I were attracted to. We'll just leave it there. (laughs) you know. And it is, it's so ingrained in us. And, you know, there's, there's some arguments that will say, well, you can't, you can't be in the past and, you know, you gotta, you gotta live in the future and, or live in the present and, you know, plan for the future and all that good stuff. But really our, First relationships are with our mother and our father. 
And those create those those are hardwired in us. And that is then the lens to which we see the world. And a lot of times we don't even know we don't even know what we're looking at. We don't even know what, <laughs> the reality. Well, right, because the you know, the lenses the way I used to say it is, you know, the first movie we ever got to watch about what relationship is were our parents relationship right mm -hmm. and so you're absolutely correct that all the stuff we saw that at that time we had no cognitive ability or intellectual capacity yet to be able to go wow they're really a mess you know <laughs> or when you're little you're just in the energy and you're witnessing yep. the behaviors and that stuff comes in, you know, like, oh, if, if mom has that tone of voice, then dad puts on that tone of voice. Or mom asks dad to pass the peas and he throws them at her. Um, I, I guess that's how you, you're supposed to do this stuff. Yeah. And For, then decades later. Decades later. You're doing well, that same thing. You're having a tone while you're passing the peas. And the thing is, is that those are like lenses. They're like contact lenses that also act as filters. Mm -hmm. The filters through which we listen, we watch, we speak, because those filters are always about trying not to get hurt or trying to get our needs met the same way that we needed to get them met as kids. And if we didn't, which is really the case for most people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, we, a lot of our needs did get met and a lot of our needs did not. And so, and given that I can't think of a single completely functional family I've ever known or heard about in my entire lifetime, everybody's got some of that stuff going on. And so either they're looking for the parent they didn't have, yep. or a little bit more subtle thing can be, they're trying to find somebody that isn't like either of their parents, mm -hmm. which is also a setup to not be successful because it's all about your parents one way or the other. Either I want, I want the idealized mom and dad I didn't have, or I want somebody who's really nice, unlike the mom or dad I had. Right. It's kind of like when you grow up in a family with smokers, either you grow up being a smoker or you're like, no way am I ever going to smoke. It is horrible. You know, so it's, it's always interesting to see how that plays out. And so to your point, they're either looking for their mom or dad or looking for the polar opposite. So I think that, oh, keep going. Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, back to the original question or the first answer to your question, why do you want a relationship? This piece is an important part of that inquiry. You know, I, I could even break it down a little bit finer and say what part of you wants a relationship? Yep. What part of you, adult or young parts from the past, which one is really eager for the relationship? Because one thing I can tell everybody without 
any doubt whatsoever is those are two completely different agendas mm -hmm. and they will overlap they can overlap and at best it can be you know like in terms of the best things that we didn't have as a kid that we happen to find in a partner and then the best aspects of them that bring out the best in us as mature adults, hopefully, yeah. um, hopefully mature. And that can be a really cool thing, but more often than not, the agenda of trying to get a childhood need met or a childhood anti, you know, a strategic anti-defense missile system, that that doesn't go well either so you really have to be clear and and i think this is true anybody who's listening who is divorced you know and obviously you've been in this boat mm -hmm. so you really want to be clear what you know the why what part yep is looking for it what's the agenda of each part so that if you can get some sense of that and and if you can't then that's a piece of work for you to do on yourself to get you ready you know if if maybe i should have started there that really the first thing to do to get ready for love is do your work do your work i so agree and doing inner child work is so powerful and asking all those questions that you've shared and then keep asking why, why, and diving deeper and deeper. Um, back several years ago when, uh, post-divorce and when I had that, uh, epiphany in the, the park that I was dating and spending time with men that were like my biological father, I had a great friend who loved me so much that said to me, Jessica, you have daddy issues. And him and I fought, Jeff, like yelling at each other fights. And he drug me kicking and screaming into a personal development course that I thought it was going to be the biggest waste of time. I didn't have daddy issues like I blah, blah, blah. I had a huge breakthrough when I started looking at my childhood's issues. Cause I'm like, I'm, you know, that woman back then was like, no, I'm good. Like I've dealt with my inner demons. I've, I'm dealt with my codependency. I've, I've done this, like I'm good. But when I realized there was a whole nother piece of me that I wasn't even aware of or acknowledging, as soon as I spent time with that little girl in me that grew up without a father, that, you know, her, her mom was suffering. And when I started paying attention to her, I'm like, wow, there's a, I was longing for a good man my whole entire life. I was, I've been looking for my father at every turn. And so when I started talking to that girl and realizing that I had to father myself, I had to parent myself. And as soon as I started parenting myself, oh my gosh, Jeff, my, my need for a relationship, for a man, it just got quieter and quieter and my confidence grew. My, 
just how I spent time alone. I would just like to be alone. I, I'd be like, yeah, I could date, but I really, I, I'm just going to go see this Mount Everest documentary next Friday by myself and have some sushi and call a night. And it, it was miraculous to see. And so I share that, you know, with the listeners to it, to some people, it could seem kind of crazy, you know, like let's just leave sleeping dogs lie, you know, let's not go digging up things. It's like, no, really a lot of time we need to, because of, you know, what you addressed with the the lens and everything. Well, yeah, because if you let those sleeping dogs lie, they bite you in the ass while you're asleep. Seriously. And, and it, it will, it will absolutely show up in your relationships. And, you know, I think there's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I told you that I've done inner child workshops for 20 some odd years. So that, that was really before I got into relationship, inner child work was the big thrust of all the work I was doing. And so I think a distinction that has to be made about the importance of going back, it isn't about going, there's plenty of work out there that is really steeped in keeping people in their wounding. Mm. And a lot of that came up in the 80s and the 90s. And the way that I think about it and, you know, work with people around it is you want to go back like you're an investigative reporter. And you're, you know, you're kind of one part investigative reporter and one part rescue worker. Because you want to be able to look back and see from the benefit that you have of being an adult that's had some life experience under your belt. If you're a parent, your inner child stuff came up every day that you were with your kids because our kids plug us into what we're not complete with mm-hmm. from That's their age. <clears throat> I found that out the hard way. And so, you know, you really have to look at, I see this pattern, X pattern, and where have I seen that before? And you can track when in your childhood or who in your childhood are you suddenly remembering because it's all in the body we don't remember it you know consciously but it's all in here and when you're willing to let just the right memories emerge they do and then you can go oh all right let me grab that part of myself and pluck it out of that continually rerunning movie and put it in my movie in 2020 where and, you know i used to call my workshop parenting your inner selves oh so those young parts that aren't physical but they're very energetic yep and they're running the show 95 percent of the time give or take according to science mm-hmm. so then if you can reorient it, retrain it, and help it grow up. When I first learned inner child work, it definitely had an emphasis of keep that young part of you 
alive. Now, for the creative, playful, joyful, magical child, as I used to refer to it, we don't ever want to lose that. But we want to, we want to bring that energy into our adult knowing. Mm-hmm. And then we become, you know, you, you, maybe you grow old to become one of those cool old dudes or old ladies that we loved when we were younger that seemed really, really cool and wise and not at all old in how they acted or behaved. Yep. So that magical part, we want to keep with us, but under parental, you know, guidance. The wounded parts, they need to be healed and allowed to grow up. You don't want to hang on to that wounded part of yourself or parts of yourself and just keep them like a museum piece. Help them heal. Let the energy move. Get stuff out that you've been stuffing for years and years and years. And then when that all kind of gets released and that energy, those emotions get released. And then you're able from this adult perspective to suddenly realize that what we made all of that shitty stuff that we went through mean actually isn't what it ever meant. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you literally get to reframe the story to the truth And then, you know, you can be bummed about what you want to be bummed about, but you don't have to stay there and live there anymore. Right. Oh, and it's so liberating. And what I found from my years of doing transformational work with my clients is that healing doesn't have to take years. You know, how you mentioned there was a time that therapy was to perpetuate certain feelings and you'd get stuck in a pattern. Really, there are incredible healing modalities that people can experience instantaneous healing. Or it might take a couple days or a couple sessions or a couple meditations or whatever, but it doesn't have to drag on. And I think that's really important to share that it can, it can be magical. It can happen in a moment And with my situation, I had this amazing intuitive counselor and we did some um, inner child, like going back and having talks and meditations. I'm preaching to the choir right now. And as soon as I came out of that meditation, something had completely changed. I just got chills. My life completely changed. There was a part of me that suddenly was cared for and nurtured. And it just, it it changed my whole energetic field, how I saw everything. And it's funny because when I looked at my like ex-husband, for example, he was the biggest relationship I've had in my life. My, before that child work, I was like, he's an asshole. I married an asshole. I married a narcissist, a sociopath, blah, 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 blah. And I had all this, like, it's his fault. It's his fault. And after doing that work, I was like, oh my gosh. I was looking for that. I was looking for that man that possessed those qualities. Like I sought it out. Right. I, I signed off on that deal. <laughs> I, was, I was an equal player in this disaster. <laughs> it was a total disaster, but, you know, and, and it changed my tone because it let me see 
really, it, it helped me see reality. I mean, it, if we ever totally see reality, I, I don't know. That's, that's debatable. Yeah. But it really changed the way I see things. And Jeff, I think that is everything that we just talked about, I think is instrumental in getting us ready for love and relationships because that's when, um, when we have that taken care of, I'm laughing because my friend who drugged me kicking and screaming into that piece of therapy, he's like, Jessica, your picker is bad. You have a bad picker. <laughs> you pick bad people. And so it helps us with our picker, really. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I had a client that used to say that she came to me because she realized she had a bad picker. And I remember her saying she was an older woman and she said, I think I have a clinker in my thinker and it's broken my picker. Um, it's like a nursery rhyme. <laughs> yeah. And, and there really, it is so, this is why when you and I both acknowledge that you have to do your work and the work is to know yourself and in particular to know, I'm going to say yourselves, plural, you need to know your mind, your body, your heart, your spirit. You have to know the difference between who you are and your ego, who your ego wants you to believe you. You know, there's all these layers and you, for me, that I'm not a babbling idiot in a padded cell has everything to do with the fact that I have spent years and years and years learning, working on myself, learning all these different aspects. And I still am. That's the other thing I would say. And I, I was laughing inside when you talked about your friend dragging you. Because <laughs> I semi had to be dragged into doing the inner child workshop that changed my whole life. And um, and when somebody says, you have an issue, and you're like, the hell I do, you are so busted. You're so busted. So busted. <laughs> and, and one thing that, you know, I think that creates another opportunity for learning about is that egoically, we have an attachment to being able to be finished. Mm. You know, that there, there are people, and I was one of them, who did work, yes, I wanted to heal. But what I didn't learn for a while was I was doing all that work, A, to get out of my suffering that I was in on a number of levels, but I also had this kind of fairy tale magical thinking that if I do enough work, I will finally have handled all my issues. I will no longer ever have to suffer. And then I'm going to be owning my way into an earthly nirvana where everything is awesome. Oh, yes. Eh, not <laughs> happening. So 
that you know yep. you you said it a few minutes ago and i think it when you were talking about your initial resistance i've done that i've worked on this i you know it just happened to me about two weeks ago a good friend of mine called me out on a dynamic that i thought i had handled but no apparently i hadn't and i remember initially like what the fuck i have done i said it in my head i have done so much work well get over yourself the whole process of living through a lifetime is work and Seriously. you either go into it resisting it or you welcome it because you just get to peel off all those layers that aren't you that allows you to come out loud and proud the way that we were able to do when we were young enough and then you're ready for a relationship that's right and jeff you are human we are all human and and i call it earth school it's like we're all in school here and we're all learning and sometimes we forget things that we learn and we have to learn them once again and so i i love that and I think we really drill the point home that people need to ask those questions. That is so beautiful. Um, I love that. And I have homework today. I, I want to I shift the conversation a little bit. This is something that I was talking about um, a couple weeks ago on my uh, social media. And I want to talk about it with you because I know you're going to have great things to say about it. It is the concept of me versus we. And how there are some people who are very focused on themselves for whatever reasons, you know, there's a multitude of reasons and they want to get into a relationship to satisfy their needs. Like I, I, I need this. I need love. I need tension. I need validation. I need entertainment. I need a Netflix and chill partner, you know, whatever it is. And they're, they're walking in to have their needs satisfied. And on the flip side of that, there's the, the, we, that we, it's, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about what can I do for you? What can I do for our relationship? And so I, I just want to open up that conversation and talk about that because I think that's a huge thing. Um, especially, you know, we don't like, I, we don't have to dive too deep into the pandemic situation, but the pandemic has made it so we're so isolated that our need level has incre increased <laughs> exponentially. You know, it went from like a, somebody might be on a four needy average. And now because they're so isolated, they're now up to like an eight. And so people that are like, you know, I, I'm, I really would like to find a life par partner soon now that they haven't had any human interaction for weeks, some months, they're like, Oh dear God, you know, I need somebody yesterday. So, um, the neediness. So I, I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. The, the me versus we and whatever is coming up for you. I am so excited to hear. Well, I think it's a, it's a two part, answer or um i think there are two pieces of that overarching question one is the need okay 
one of the things that the pandemic is creating that is what no one expected. I mean, who expected this to be happening at all? But the thing that's happening that you're highlighting is all of a sudden, whether you're single or you're in a relationship, some enormous percentage of the distractions that we use to either deny our needs or to get them all met externally. We as a culture and the ego itself is usually outer directed. Mm. So I'm lonely. Well, that has an implication that I myself am not enough for myself. So what this time is illuminating is how dependent or codependent would probably be the better word, have we become on another person, a job, X amount of money, X amount of friends, X amount of activities that I get to do on the weekends, blah, blah, blah. When you see how you're crawling up a wall because you don't have access to that, then I think the opportunity is immense to notice how hard and how despairing that can make you feel mm -hmm. so that you can look and see what parts of me did I lose track of along the way? Ooh, yes, sir. Right? What have I forgotten about me? And again, not to deny that we are wired we are social animals by nature. I'm not, this is not an either or, it's a both and. In this time where the and is limited to non-existent temporarily, then that's the thing where you can use that unrest, that, that um, distress, and that loneliness and, you know, and the places that your mind takes that and find pathways of which there are many to come back to your own heart, to come back if you, if you really genuinely have a spiritual practice, to lean into that, to reconnect with your own spirit, your own self with a capital S, and any higher consciousness that you've had a connection with even one time, if you've had it once, you can have it again. To lean into that as the source of our well-being, our sense of our biggest self, that then to go to the other part of the issue that you're raising, then allows me to bring me as much of me as I can to who I'm dating. Or when I'm really, if I've fallen for someone and I'm really clear and they're clear, yeah, let's see if we can build a relationship. The, I guess I look at me and we as not 
an either or as well because I'm the only me that is in my marriage. Yep. And Sarah is the only her that's in our marriage. So the fun of, you know, like I know that part of, I wouldn't have said this 38 years ago, what I've learned is why I want a relationship is because A, it's a direct path to spirit if you know how to, you know, work with it that way. And it is definitely richer to be able to have shared experiences and fun to discover even now where our differences, where our me's create a we that couldn't have been imagined because you didn't know that chocolate and peanut butter were going to be so awesome together. So awesome. Oh my gosh. And it's really, it's an adventure. So the we is only going to be as healthy as the two me's involved. That was amazing, Jeff. You once again blew my mind. Oh my goodness. So love that. And going back to this time of isolation and, you know, when it's not a pandemic and people are listening, you know, there's, there's times that we're just more isolated for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's overwork or, you know, whatever it is, um, focus on the me. And I really think that when you're in a time of isolation like this, you become more monk-like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different, like you said, it's focusing on self and spirit, and it's a it's a deepening that it's great if you if you want to stay a monk and you're just happy with yourself, or if you want to stay monk like and love yourself and enter into a relationship. And um, to your point about, uh, I can't remember your exact words, but how relationships are like the um, like a fast track to yes and and that is something you know that I've been practicing and teaching yoga for over a decade and that's something that the ancient texts talk about that your partner is your guru and the definition of the guru is it shines light on your darkness because if we're sitting in a cave we're just stuck in our own thoughts I mean yeah I mean can spirit guide us and we can have great visions and, um, be, you know, plugged into universal intelligence and, you know, amazing things can happen. I'm not saying that, but on the earthly spiritual level, when we're sitting in isolation, like we are limited, but when we have a partner, you, you get someone that goes, Oh my God, Jeff, you, you're brilliant that, you know, so much about X, Y, and Z just blows me away. Or, wow, Jeff, you're pretty shut down when it comes to talking about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's that friend that recently called you out. And, and that's where the guru comes in because there's things that we just don't see. But other people that know us, especially our partners that we're, we're with on every level, an emotional level, intellectual level, spiritual level, sexual level, yeah. 
they see it all. <laughs> and... Well, right. And, and the best relationships in my experience really, in, you know, they both people actively are wanting that kind of reflection and to be known at that level, you know, because my wife certainly knows aspects of me or sees perspectives on aspects of me that I don't and vice versa. Right. And, you know, those are the best relationships, in my opinion, where both people are going into it knowing that one of the reasons why they want a relationship is they want that mirror. They want that tension, as well as the joys that come with being seen and appreciated for who you are yeah. and, and still being able to be loved when you're behaving like an asshole. <laughs> right. Which all of us do when we do. All so we do. Yeah, we all do. It, it's that... Um, it, it strikes me that there's a very subtle angle to this too that is useful, which is if you if you are looking to be able to have relationship as a vehicle to open yourself, not just to the other person, but keep opening yourself to you, keep opening yourself to the divine, then the imperfections that are going to naturally emerge you know this other enormous healing opportunity to embrace the imperfections and to embrace the reality that going back to earth school relationships are part of earth school yep. and all the stuff that is hard about relationship that your average person can easily think as something's wrong. Well, what if it isn't wrong? What if it's illuminating something that's out of alignment? And that's different than, wow, you're really fucked up. It's you're out of alignment with self and with each other where you are. Yep. So it's just about kind of getting out of, you know, to, oh, here, good in me i'm more in a good balance yep. with me and then we are in a good balance do you think that's why people or do you think that's what people mean when they say they want a partner who's going to challenge them because i i hear that all the time i'm you know because being a dating coach people come to me with their list of what they're looking for and i hear all the time i want somebody that's going to challenge me uh, I push back on that because I think there's an energy to challenge that's almost like dueling or fighting. It seems aggressive to me that I think we want someone that's going to do what you just said. That's like, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to love you with all of your, your good, your bad, your ugly traits and we'll work on things together. And we have a relationship and an understanding that we're going to kindly, lovingly, healthily support each other so we can we can grow. And so if I see something that I think is really shitty about you, we're going to sit and have a loving conversation about it. And we're going to stay open-minded 
and we're going to figure it out together. And so I push back on a lot of people when they say they want to be challenged. Well, I'll tell you the way I look at that. And, you know, this might be a guy thing versus a woman thing. Okay. Um, I don't disagree with anything you just said, by the way. Though I would add in, there's, a, there's an element of it where it isn't always kind and loving and nice. True, true. That's not real life, which is why it's so important to learn how to fight consciously. So that Another was, episode. <laughs> that was my second book. Um, but what, the way I hear it, now I work with men a lot as well. And when I hear men talk about, I want to be challenged, there's one element of that that's fundamentally a masculinity energetic. Uh, the masculine is wired to move through obstacles. I know where I'm going and I am going to push through whatever I have to push through to get there. So when I hear somebody say, I want a partner that's going to challenge me, where I go, given what I do for a living, is I want somebody who isn't going to lie to me. Okay. I'm, don't I don't bullshit me. It's going to blow hot air up my ass. <sighs> I think we need to redo that languaging. I think we need to start a new trend with that. Yeah. Or so let's talk. I want someone that's going to be real with me. Yep. Because if you're my partner and you're being real with me and you're letting me know when you're upset or when you're sad or if I've upset you or I've just behaved like a complete and total dick and you're going to be real and say, you know what? You were just a dick and I didn't like it. That's being authentic. That's being real. Yep. And if you have a thin skin and if you happen to be one of those people that believe the sole cause of any of your discontent is them, that is going to be challenging. Oh, yes. It's so, so true. The energy is very, very different. So... Uh, with my clients, when I hear that, I, I'm going to ask them that question. Well, is it challenging or is it somebody being real? So you can face reality and you can have a, a, a real, more authentic relationship. Um, I, I love that. I knew you'd have something brilliant to say about that. So thank you so much. That was, that was really good. Um, what what else do people need to do uh, to walking into a relationship? What do people need to remember or be conscientious of? Well, I really think that first of all, if you're if you're cultivating a deep intimate relationship with yourself first, just as an ongoing life commitment. Mm, yes. Because believe me, everybody, you find that dream relationship. It's not going to be all that long before, before all the warts begin to show and all that childhood stuff that Jessica and I were talking about a little while ago. 
it's going to come up. The honeymoon ends and then reality sets in. And the reality is that every human being is awesome, wonderful, and flawed, and wounded where we are. That's right. So the more that you're building while you are single, that you're building your emotional resiliency, and that you're taking care of finding other sources of, well, let me say this a little differently finding the things that resource you everything from spiritual practice which is saving my bacon many a day during this time <laughs> me too um, my friend yeah yeah thank god for practice um that you're keeping your body healthy you know that you are loving on yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, the same way you're really moved when you are in love, that you want to give that and you want to support that happening with your partner. If you're single right now, you need to be dating yourself. And that's some good mental, emotional hygiene work yep. that has already been discussed today. Um, it's the physical aspect. It's also cultivating a level of sacred sexual practice with yourself. It isn't about just getting off. It is really literally about, all right, this thing's my temple, and I don't have a partner to be sexual with at the moment. So how do I bring the sacred and the secular that sex has to offer to myself and learn new things about me that could be really, really fun to share with the partner when he or she comes along. Absolutely. It's so important, especially right now, for people to to be loving on themselves and self-care huge. Uh, in my new book, I talk about soul care and how that is very different because self-care can be a variety of things. It's kind of an umbrella term. It, you know, for, for me, it can be getting a massage or, you know, getting a manicure, pedicure. But soul care is those deep soulful practices that take care of our, our heart and our soul. It's the, it's the meditation. It's prayer. It's whatever devotional things uh, spiritual modalities that you know one will use to take care of themselves and connect with the divine as well and yeah it is it is so imperative to do all those things and like you said once you once you know how you operate on all these levels it is so amazing to walk into a relationship and especially when you find someone and uh, I'm a believer that I'm the law of attraction. You, whatever energy you're vibing at, you attract that in. Yeah, It's amazing when you're in this space and you're like, wow, you're firing on all cylinders, so to speak. And then you meet someone that's like you and that's, uh, that's when the magic happens. Well, and there's a, it feels important to say too that all of what we're talking about are things we can do to prepare 
for love, for a partner when we're meant to have one, you get the amazing benefit of having a more powerful self to enjoy. And two things that I want to add, one is that part of that self-love, self-care includes developing a compassionate and willing relationship with all the emotions you don't want to feel. <laughs> right? Because yes. we definitely want to feel good. There's a reason alcohol sales have nearly doubled. That's right. In the last month and a half. Nobody wants to feel anything mm -hmm. except the good stuff. And as wonderfully utopic as it might seem to view life as one endless nonstop orgasm, that isn't how life is. Dang it, that's the life I signed up for. Right, right. So in this time where we have so much time with ourselves, if you're single, that's also a good time to notice what's your relationship with the uncomfortable emotions and let them come and let them go. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's where people screw up. They come and then we decide, okay, this is who I am, as opposed to it just being an emotion. And I think I'm stuck here. I, okay, I kept it away for 20 years. Now it's here. Let me pitch a tent. Right. No. 90 seconds is the average length of time a feeling lives. 90 seconds. And yet, a lot of people feel a certain way all the time. That's because they have pitched the tent and confused an emotion yes. for who they are, what's right about them, and what's wrong. So use this time to expand your capacity to feel anything yep. and everything. And then the other part that seems important to add in too is just like law of attraction the way that i've learned it is you know what you're what you're radiating has an attract you'll pull that in and the mind likes to have a picture of what that's going to look like when it's going to happen how i'm going to know and when it comes to love romantic love Sarah and I, I, I think I've shared this with you on other appearance, you know, on paper, we were a shit show waiting to happen. And yet, the love was there. You do not get to pick who you fall in love with. What you do get to pick is whether you're going to say yes to that when it shows up, and that's where everything Jessica and I have been talking about is so useful, is we prepare and, and get clear on why you want a relationship, what you would ideally like to have in it, and then let go of your attachment to it. Because well said. I, I, I really literally, I'm not being, there's no hype here, I can't think of a single person who I've ever heard tell me how they met their beloved. 
you know, the ones that have lasted and have been healthy. So we're talking about 15 of them. I've never heard any of them tell me that he or she was everything I had thought of ahead of time. That they weren't, a lot of times, I wasn't even looking for anybody when I met Sarah. Mm. Well, well said, well said. So uh, just like from the movie, movie Frozen, we're just going to let it go. Let it go. <laughs> right. Yeah, get ready. Be ready. Be sober and clear. And then allow the universe to use its higher intelligence, in my belief anyway, and I believe mm -hmm. the same thing. Yep. Let it knows better than we do. Yes, sir. I always say the the universe is our best matchmaker. It's the best matchmaker. It 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 knows what it's doing. So <laughs> let spirit take the wheel. Trust. Yes. Oh my goodness, Jeff! Thank you so much. We could go on and on. I mean, we could really go for like six hours. I think. <laughs> Well, that's, that's why you're kind enough to keep inviting me back. We just kind of get the six hours in chunks. That's true. That's true. And thank you so much for just being my friend and for all the work that you do in the world and coming on this show. And like I said, people love you. The listeners love you. And uh, I, I've loved you from the first moment we met. So thank you so much. And, uh, it's going to happen again, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you're, you're stuck with me, Jeff. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, per usual, your information is going to be in the show notes. So uh, your website, what is your website again? Yourrelationshiparchitect.com if you're relationship oriented and if you're a dude, listening to this and you want to learn more about what I do with men uh, to help them live what Jessica and I have talked about for this episode, theevolvingman.com is the site for my men's work. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's just such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Always. And thank you guys for listening so much. Um, again, look at the show notes for Jeff's contact information. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Show me some love and give me a nice five-star rating. And uh, to show me even more love, write a nice review. I would highly appreciate it. And then follow me on Instagram at jessicasmith.love where, oh, you get a little sneak peek into my everyday life. And, you know, I, I do what I do on the show daily. So thank you guys so much. And until next time, get out there and love each other.